0: Well, it's the final hurrah of 2022, and the event risk is rolling in. We've seen the US CPI numbers, we've seen the Fed meeting, and next up, we've got the Bank of England, ECB and Swiss National Bank coming through. Now, markets evolve. Blake and I read the pulse of the financial markets and we read the room. It's time to get at it. It's the (laughs) trade-off. Well, hi there. My name's Chris Weston, head of research here at Pepperstone. And I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And as always, we're going through the different charts. We're going through the key formatics that are playing through. And what I will say is this is the last show of the year. We'll be back in the new year uh, for more of the same. And we really want to appreciate everyone who's been joining us for the for the show going forward. But there's a last one that, that we're looking at, and it's a big show ahead of us today. So if you find yourself liking the programme, smash the like button, subscribe where you can so you don't miss an episode going forward. Blake, I want to bring you into the programme, but before I do, because there's obviously a lot to, to, to cover, um, I want to say happy birthday, 40th birthday to my wife, Patience. Uh, i did not miss it today uh, but i know she's going to be an avid a follower and avid watcher as well so i want to know that she's from the bottom of her heart what what yeah you know, birthday present means more than getting a shout out on the trade-off so one there and blake i know you're a, you're a fan as well so say happy birthday to my wife patience happy birthday patience happy 40th that's awesome happy <laughs> birthday only i hope 50. you have a great day thanks mate <laughs> anyway look, we've got a we've got a, a packed show today blake there's obviously a lot been going on uh we yeah, I stayed up early. Well, I was up early to watch the Fed meeting and trade the Fed meeting, and I'm pretty sure that you that, that you've been trading that quite a- uh, actively as well. So I think we want to probably analyse what we've been seeing there because obviously it does set a, set a stage for for the new year going forwards. So let's go into topical funder and uh, let's have a look at some of the key formatics playing for on the markets today. Right, like Blake, we've seen the Fed meeting. Uh, it was an interesting one. We saw some reversals playing for our markets. The initial statement was obviously hawkish. It was hawkish. Um, you know, the after the US CPI number that came out to the session, we'd just seen the prior, you know, the core number at 6%. The terminal pricing uh, for the end of next year had, had come down. Uh, and market expectations were that we were going to see the dot at 4.9%. It came in at 5.1%. So that's why we saw that initial spike up in front-end yields. The US dollar went for that as well. But the Fed also lowered their growth projections to 50 basis points. That was lower than what they were looking for. They've increased uh, their unemployment projections for next year. Uh, They're expecting the unemployment rate to tick up about was it, a 90 basis points or so, and they're prepared to tolerate that situation. They've lifted their inflation expectations uh, for next year to 3.5% on core, probably above where the market was looking for. So you're looking at that reaction function playing through. There's no doubt about it that, that what we saw from those projections was, was hawkish. And Powell was pretty hawkish in, in, in what I've read as well and what I've seen and what I heard. Um that he is you know, saying that they're not time to be doing high fives, that we're you know, we, the battle has not been won at this point. Um and yeah, you know, the date is going to be dependent going forward. We're open to a 25 basis point hike in the February meeting, but we're not sure. The market saw it as ha- hawkish, but then they reversed. How did you read it, mate? How did you see the situation?
1: Well well, you know, the, the initial comments that kind of goosed the markets lower was that they expect ongoing uh, hikes are appropriate to get sufficiently restrictive. And then a little bit later on in the presser, he said they're getting close to a, a, a sufficiently restric- restrictive stance and the markets cheered that. Yeah. I, you know, I read it all as pretty hawkish. And I think it was, you know, it was, it was this, it's a situation where you're going into uh, this next year, knowing that the Fed is going to hold rates um, at, at these high levels, I think. And it, it's interesting to see the market reaction. And I think. What that what that also says, and if you watch the price action between the CPI yesterday and then the price action in the markets today, you know, we're hovering around that 4000 level that really that really tells us that we have a sufficient ceiling in the market. It's going to be really difficult to get above that, but I I can't um, you know, I can't I can't you know, look past the the topic that we've been discussing for the last few weeks here about FOMU and about how the markets are really kind of taking it in. But there's a lot of mixed signals, uh, you know, as
0: far as what the market's giving us, Chris. I think we're, we're, we're going to talk signals. about those.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. I think we heard mixed signals from 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 Jerome Powell, to be honest. I know he was yeah, quite yeah, determined to keep rates high for longer. Um But did the market buy it? I mean, did they really genuinely say, look, you know, you're onto something here? I think when the Fed are actually calling, you know, growth at 50 basis points, it's not much of a cushion really to get things wrong. You know, if they get things wrong, the market is already determined. I think this is a, a really interesting topic and we'll discuss this further on. The market increased the level of rate cuts for next year in the second half. They actually increased it, despite a more hawkish Fed that said we're going to keep rates high for longer. The fact that we saw um, you know, rate cuts being priced in for the second half, what does that tell you very, very quickly, Blake?
1: Well, it just tells us that the 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 the, the Fed will bend to the market
0: <laughs> at some point. I think that's right. I think it sets us up for a very, very lively 2023. The market believes we're going to get rate cuts. The Fed is saying you're not. Know Someone's going to be right. And I think that's going to be one of the big macro debates we have there.
1: That is going to be a big macro debate, Chris. And I can't wait to really have that discussion with you at a further uh, at a point in time here in the future. But let's turn the discussion till t- tomorrow, because to tomorrow, uh, we got a lot of central banks actually meeting. We have the ECB, we have the uh, the Bank of England, and we also even have the Norges Bank tomorrow. We, we have, you know, a few central banks to go before we're, we're done with this mania. Yeah. But but um, I, I guess the the thing is is I was talking with our traders and and telling them you know I think Christine Lagarde and the ECB are going to be talking about you know they're they're looking at what the Fed is doing and you know with the with Fed Chairman Powell being pretty hawkish today in my view um, does that give the green light? Uh, for the ECB and and Christine Lagarde to also be come out come out of the gate a little bit more hawkish. Now I know she's not known for that, but she is going to be talking about the balance sheet and and um, you know that's going to be a big discussion circling around tomorrow. So what are your thoughts with the ECB and especially you got to think about where the euro's teed up at too. The euro has not given given up 106. We Nine. held very well above 106 and we're near our highs of the. Is it the year? (laughs) We're near our trend highs. Let's just call it that. And you know, that's something we need to pay attention to. What, what are your thoughts about the ECB? I, know, I, think
0: we're, I think we're both old enough to remember when the, the, the euro was trading at 0.95 earlier in the year. And you see how 106 now. So I think this could be an interesting currency for 2023. Look, they'll raise rates 50 basis points. I know their rates are pricing in 54, so there's a very, very small chance of 75. But yeah, we, we, we shouldn't be surprised. And there shouldn't be too much move when we get the 50 basis point. What I think is interesting, Blake, is... Yeah, where terminal pricing is at the moment for, for European uh, ECB settings for next year, and, and will the, the, the commentary from Lagarde marry up with that? So the, the sort of terminal expectations for the ECB rate is, is to get to 2.8%. Um, so some way off from where, where we are expecting a, a more aggressive uh, ECB in next year. But will the statement suggest that, that that pricing's on the money? I think that we can actually get a terminal price next year up to 3%, but they're pricing in 2.8%. You raised the point of QT, quantitative tightening. It's going to be passive. How determined will they be? How much colour context, real colour, uh, context will they give? Now, my personal view is that, that, that between March and April, we'll see them reining that balance sheet in and they might give a, an opinion that, that that's where they're going to start. And they'll probably rain it in 10 to 15 billion euros per month. But I think being how definitive they'll be, how committed they'll be to that is what we're going to be looking at. Where the euro gets a move is in that BTP-Bund spread. It's at 192 at the moment. And, and if we were to see BTP sell off and widen relative to Buns, then euro could sell off. Of course, they do have the fragmentation tool there as well. But that's what I'm looking at. So, yeah, what is the commitment... To raise rates to where you know, market prices on terminal at two point eight percent, and then you know, how, how committed are they to that to that QT and how definitive they can be? So that's where it is. But I, I think the euro is looking pretty good at the moment, right?
1: It is, but the, you know, one of your colleagues, Michael Brown, he brought up something to me this week about you know a, 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 we really need to be watching the boon spread as you pointed out, and it could signal actually a reversal in the euro or maybe some headwinds for the, re- for the euro if the euro does spike higher that's something that everybody should be watching
0: tomorrow yeah yeah mate look you, you, can, you, can, you can look at that BTP spread versus boons on trading but you can just set up as a, as a, as a room and you overlap them and you can see the correlation for yourself uh, I want to touch base on, 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 on the US dollar because it all comes back to this at the end of the day you know if you've got euro dollar pushing 106 it also, it's, still a, it's still a US dollar move and as you rightly say every single time Blake it's all about the US it's always all about the US it's all about, it's all about Fed policy um, um, but I want to know your view on on the U.S. dollar. Now we both we both agree that the Fed meeting was hawkish. The market has looked through uh, a lot of what they're saying and saying that you know we still expect a scenario to play out that perhaps the Fed are not looking at in 2023, and perhaps they'll come more over to this market pricing, which again is is really interesting in itself. Um, but the initial reaction from the Fed meeting was to buy dollars, and then they sold. Yeah, you know, there was a big reversal coming through. I think uh, we're both agreement that, that once the market heard this idea uh that they are open to a 25 basis point hike in the February meeting. And that will be determined by the next payrolls number, which comes out on the 7th of Jan. Uh, the next uh, CPI number is the 13th of Jan, which is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's going to be the 12th for you guys in the US. Um, but for us here in Australia on the 13th of Jan, once we got those two pieces, you know, we could get a, a 25 basis point, we could get a, a, a 50 basis point hike. The market at the moment is pricing 32 basis points for that meeting. So we need to see the data and, and, and that will determine that. And that may be Feed through into the U.S. dollar, but the U.S. dollar is on a bit of a downtrend at the moment, right, Blake? The question for you now is—is whether there's more hawkish Fed that the market's not necessarily buying. Do we buy dollars going into year end? How's you, how, are you, how are you positioned here?
1: Yeah, you're gonna make me give away the rest of the show, Chris. I don't want to. At just, give little, don't wanna, just give us a little. Just give us a little sneak I, peek, mate. <laughs> I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. It's oh, gonna make a boring question. <laughs> no, I'm, no. Uh, jokes, jokes aside. Jokes aside. Uh, I'm actually looking to buy dollars on dips here, and I know that might not be a surprise to a lot of people, but there's a reason for it technically, and also I believe that the market is going to be faced with an idea after we're done with this week that that we are we do have central banks that are tightening globally. And they're going to continue to do so, and that that will eventually weigh on the markets, and it's gonna it's gonna feed into um, the dollar getting a near term bounce. I, look, I'm I am a dollar bear longer term, but I think you can play it both ways, and I am looking to buy a dollar dip uh, on 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 weakness following tomorrow. So uh, I'm going to get a little bit more technical with that view uh, as we go through the show. Does that, does that mean I, by I, extension,
0: not... then, if you're if you're buying pullbacks in the U.S. dollar, then then you're, you're looking to to fade rallies in in, in the, the p and the NASdaq are you, are you doing it by that, that extension
1: I do I I think so and I and I think that the Fed, or I think that the s p the move above 4100 earlier this week is really a warning sign to Bulls um but you know I I still I think about fomu Chris you got me thinking about fomu the last yeah. few weeks and and that that's that's a that's an extremely strong power that you have to be Cognizant of as we go into year end. Yeah, so. right.
0: well, I like the fact that I can put words in, into your head and, and make you think about them. I, it's a telepathy <laughs> that comes through. But uh, no, I think it's an interesting one. I think there's going to be lots of weird and wonderful things that happen into the end of the year. If we do get that final rally that, 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 that you know it's in your head, then yeah, I think the dollar sells off, and and, and that will continue to see yeah the Aussie dollar push higher and, and the Kiwi dollar push higher. CAD looking good. Uh, all of those factors. We can't rule that out. You know, recession is, is, is and growth is a big consideration for next year. Lower inflation, growth concerns take over. And I think what happens at the start of the year, you get the new reset. You know, It's an economic calendar, calendar year, active managers are reset. They've done what they need to do. They, they're starting from zero. That's when things become real. And I think that's when we could start really putting on that recession trade, which I think you're already seeing in gold and silver and rates and bits and pieces. So an interesting one.
1: Well then, you know that brings us to our last uh, topic. Is in the markets, we are getting some mixed signals. But Chris, you know, you put something in my head. Don't don't tempt me. I'll I'll (laughs) sing the Smurf song, and then you'll be thinking about little blue people for like the next week. So don't don't start with me. All right, right. fair enough. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, I'll I'll follow along you all day long. Anyway, uh, Joe, (laughs) no, I want to talk about the mixed signals that we got in the markets today, and and you know, you got. You got equities, you know, like the S&P was marginally lower. The breakdown in the U.S. dollar, as you pointed out, it does seem real. I mean, you you got the the move higher in in, in the Kiwi. You've got the sterling, you know, trading above 120, 123.50, which is really key support. Yeah. You got the euro above 106. You got the Aussie dollar that's looking like it wants to tag the 200-day moving average and maybe higher. Dollar yens moving down towards the 200-day moving average. So the dollar breakdown seems real, but gold you know it's stalling. We can't break above eighteen hundred. We're really struggling to get above eighteen hundred, and that's that's as silver continues to surge higher. You know, um, stocks again we're struggling around the forty one hundred level to big channel resistance that we've talked about in nauseam for this whole <laughs> entire year about that big channel. Yeah. I know seriously the but the bond markets seem kind of indecisive here, like on the on the cusp of a reversal, but then we're stalling at key resistance. So yields are kind of stuck and the VIX is sliding, which suggests that stocks should be going up. But then I just gave you a bunch of other reasons why it's a little mixed. So how are you navigating through this noise? Because I found it a little bit of a struggle today. Uh, how about yourself?
0: Well, I think when you get a Fed meeting, how often do we see it, Blake, that you know, things go crazy on that first day and you know, obviously the outcome is, is known now. Yeah, position changes, you have people positioned for an outcome, they change it around, liquidity is an issue. The next day, so the session ahead is where you get the real the real move. You know, people are actually calm profile. That's where we're going to get a lot of clarity. The other thing that we've got to consider, and this affects things like the put-call ratio and the VIX and you know implied vol in the market and, and some of the hedging flows that dealers have, is that we've got you know triple witching coming through uh tomorrow um yeah spy options you've got um yeah index options cash options and, and they're, they're talking about something like 3.7 trillion dollars worth of notional which is going to be uh going to be expiring and you know obviously dealers are, are doing various factors they're managing their deltas and the gamma of effectively as around that so there's a lot of crazy shit going on around that and that needs to be taken into consideration but you know, I think that, that the implied vol in the market has been driven that. But yeah, I think these breakouts in some of the dollar pairs, they need to be looked at. We know a lot of breakouts fail. You know, People who like to trade breakouts are generally you know, trend followers and momentum traders, and you sort of kick up. But let's not rule this out. You've, you've got those setups in Aussie dollar, dollar-swiss are the downside, as I talked about. Silver looks great. Love the silver-gold ratio as a long-short strategy in itself. Um, but yeah, I think we, we need to get through this week yeah? As he's talked about ECB and various factors But we've got that options expiry um, And I think once we get through that If the market is ripping, then go for it Because I think that will, that will flow through to the end of the year As FOMO kicks in So I think uh, the new year will be the reset But I think if, if we get through this week And the market hasn't de-risked Then I think it's on for the rest of the year I think that chance of going higher is, is very high So that's pretty good Anyway, let's go to that's the setup Let's have a look at some of the charts on Mind I talk, we just talked about silver there Blake and uh, I've, I've coined this one a, a rich man and woman's gold as well um, and you can see this is absolutely ripping to the upside at the moment. We've got that break of the, the horizontal resistance also what is now support uh, and it's just been on a one way tear. I love the moving averages, average studies. I've got a three and eight day e- exponential moving average. They're just telling me to, as, as a mechanical stop just stay in the trade for now until we do see that crossing over. Obviously when that does roll over you lose a surrender a little bit of profits by using something like that but by having a, a far moving average system then you know you don't wait too long uh, you can see that it's hugging the Bollinger Bands you've you've got those you know the nice continuous push to higher highs that are coming through the rate of change is still positive although it's coming down a little bit at the moment um, you know silver is outperforming gold so we preferred buying you know silver and shorting gold as a pairs trade um, where does this go Blake 25 bucks can we see it there
1: you know, uh, well, twenty five dollars is the seventy eight percent retracement of that entire chart, so it's a it's a key fib level that comes in right at twenty five bucks. One of the technical issues is we are actually attacking the those previous lows that you can see on the far left. Those lows come in in March, and we're we're there right now. And relative strength, which you don't have on this chart, at least not that I can see, it it, it is divergent at. At these at these levels, that does concern me a bit. But when you have the silver gold ratio moving higher, as you pointed out, which I think is a great Paris trade, typically that's bullish for precious metals as a as a whole. Mm. So I think that buying silver on dips makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, not sure. I'd be I'd be buying it up here me personally, but I could see twenty five bucks eventually making our way up there. But I think think a lot of it's going to have to do with the FX market, right? Because when it you know, at the end of the day. Silver and gold are is is the inver- inverted trade of the dollar. Uh, so this is an interesting point,
0: right? So when you've got a trend like yeah. this that's taking place, if you're not in it already, you're looking for, you know, do I buy pullbacks and, and yeah, follow this? Yeah. But this is the interesting thing, you know, For I think a lot of people use RSI's, MACD's incorrectly. So if you're looking at this right now, you're bringing this up and just say, the first thing I'm looking at the RSI is not that it's overbought, and we can see that in the chart, that you could obviously look at a chart like this and say that the RSI is going to be pretty high. It's just purely, are we, are we seeing red flags from a divergence perspective? Is that, is that all you're going to be looking for, it? That's what that's what I do, because when something's hitting a new high, but it's hit, hitting a new high on
1: less relative strength, that tells me that this this push higher, it's it's harder to trust. So I might go with it, but that's one of those red flags that kind of sticks out for me. So anyway, yeah, that's it. but it, but look, silver's been a great play. And, Buying silver and speaking dips. of precious metals. What's that? Buying silver on dips. I think that's the play. Yeah, I think that is the play too. I, I agree with you. You know, um, speaking of precious metals, let's take a look at the Docta and let's t- take a look at copper. And you know what? This might be, Chris, more of a, a China play. China and, play, you know, absolutely. It, it really is. But here's the other thing. Is the China play over yet? I mean, are has everybody already priced in the fact that China is reopening slowly? And I, I know we had these talks over the last several weeks where we need to think about it from a slow rolling process but you know i look at copper and you know a move in copper above the 200 day moving average that's going to be a pretty bullish move in my view and i and i and i like the setup i like the fact that we're consolidating just below that 200 day moving average and those previous highs so you know for for me, if copper breaks out, I think this is going to be a severe breakout. and And this is one that if risk is moving higher and we get past this week and I, and, and you talked about, you know, hey, at the end of this week, we'll know if it's if it's if it's game on or not. I think one of the plays there is playing copper to the upside. So what are your thoughts with copper here?
0: Well, I think there's other factors in play, but I, I agree. It is the China play. I mean, when, when the Fed come out and downgrade their GDP forecast for this year to 50 basis points, and we know they're often wrong. It could be much lower. We could be talking about a recession there, which is something that the rates markets is telling us in the US. You don't get 58 basis points of cuts being priced in if we're going to get good growth coming through, right? And, um but I think the copper market's looking more at China reopening and, and a lot of good news is probably priced in. But the other thing is, that it's, is the number of, of sell-side banks who are putting out bullish notes on, on copper now. Why? Because of the structural mm. deficit that we're going to see next year. That's what they're anticipating. So, yeah, you can look at uh, aluminium or aluminium, as you would call it, uh, and all these other sort of industrial metals and, and look at the, 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 the supply-demand equation from there. But they're saying in 2023 – the, the demand for copper is going to pick up substantially to the point where we're going to run a, uh, run a deficit. And I think that's why people are quite warming to the copper situation. But I think, yeah, a break of that 200-day moving, a break of that resistance, the red resistance level there, you can see, I mean, it's telling you a pretty clear story about what's going on. You can have a recession in the US, you can have a recession in Europe and UK and all these other factors. You can talk about low growth in China. But if price is moving up, it's telling you a story and you need to, it's not just about finding out the why, the market likes the story and that's all that matters for short-term traders. Yep. Anyway. I wanted to bring up the uh, the chart of the US 500 because we talked a, yeah, a, a little bit about what's happening. It's a chart that I've been looking at and, and, and we've been looking at quite a lot. Look at that candle that we saw coming through on that US CPI number. It's, it's, I've got that red uh, arrow, but it's just to the right of that one on the CPI number. Yeah, an absolute behemoth of a reversal coming through that, that, that came through in the market there. We obviously saw, you know, a big spike up uh, on the CPI number. The market came back down. You know, you, you haven't really seen too much of a reaction there um, from the Fed meeting in terms of the price action, certainly compared to the CPI number. But we haven't really fallen. We found really good support into 39.29, which is that series of lows that we've been seeing. The market just didn't want to break through that. That was a level that we were going to look at shorts uh, much more aggressively if we saw a breakthrough there. But again, it doesn't want to break through the 200-day moving average with any kind of conviction. It doesn't want to break this downtrend. We're kind of stuck between the downtrend resistance and this 39.29 support. Um, And I think one of those is going to give way pretty soon. Which way is it, Blake?
1: Well, uh, well, first of all, I, I have to commend you for you pointing out that the market was pricing in a bigger move in CPI this week than than the Fed, we got exactly that. So you And you told us that last week, Chris, so great job. Um, Now, this is the false breakout that I I was showing you or talking to you about is the one that was above 4,100. I do believe that, as you pointed out, 3,925, I'm actually looking at 3,900 the figure. So 3,900 to 4,100, above or below, that's the breakout point for me. And look, if we break above 4,100 and by the end of the week we're trading up towards the highs of this range, That suggests that we might get that Santa Claus rally. I know you love the Santa Claus rally, Chris. I know it's something you think about every single day. Every single uh, time. Before the Easter Bunny uh, seasonal rally. Correct. Uh, So, But if if you get fund managers chasing the market higher, above 4,100, you have to respect it. So I think we have a 200-point range, and that 200-point range is going to give way within the coming week or two so i'd we could be- easily just <laughs> chop
0: around though couldn't we i mean i know we've got as i say option opex coming through on the, on friday um but you know it does seem that there's there's pretty clear supply coming about 4100 it looks like the market's well supported into 3900 so yeah wh- why can't we just trade a range of 4100 3900 until the end of the year and you just trade that range i mean we could easily see that right
1: are you really going to ruin my evening chris you're really going to ruin my evening, <laughs> hey! But uh, I, I have to say that that OPEX sure, uh, sure, op, options expiration sure does have us pegged at four thousand. That's for sure. That's where mm. we're trading right. At this moment. That's where the IP interest. Um, let's uh, let's take a look at my next setup. Now, this is the Euro Kiwi. Um, the Euro looks good on crosses, Chris, and one of the crosses that I think it looks really constructive on is the euro kiwi here the the kiwi has had a hell of a run it's had a hell of a run against most currencies if you look at the aussie new zealand you look at the you know you look at the pound kiwi you look at the euro new zealand look we've been in a descending wedge for like literally the last well all of fall going into winter and i love descending wedges because they are set setting up for reversals It's a, it's a classic and one of my favorite textbook type of reversals. So a move above 166, which would be pretty much today's highs in North American trade. You get above that, you've got a bullish reversal. I think this comes through the ECB. Like I said, I think the ECB is going to be a little bit more hawkish. And if, and, and if we do get a little bit of a reversal on stocks, then the Euro New Zealand tends to perform a little bit better, you know, as those higher beta currencies like the Kiwi dollar get hit. Euro New Zealand,
0: what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think um, going to tonight's CCB. I think for for the Euro to rally, we do need to see uh, that, that BTP boon spread staying fairly contained. If we do see a widening, then I think we could come under a bit of pressure. Um, but I like this. I mean, yeah, the market, yeah, it's been consolidating. The the propensity to um, to push this one down seems to be absorbed. Um, and it feels like a bit of a cold spring, right, ready to, to go. So again, we have any kind of setup like this, where you're studying the price action and, and the battle between the Bulls and the Bears, You wait for the market to complete, otherwise it's a very aggressive setup playing through. So, yeah, I'd wait for this to to, to reveal itself and push you into a trade, which means breaking that downtrend playing through. But, yeah, I guess in in an environment of risk-off, you know, obviously favours being short the, uh, short the Kiwi. But the funding currencies, the Euro, um, yeah, the Yen and the Swissy tend to do pretty well in that situation. So yeah, you could probably do with a, a slight range trading market, if it's not a slightly downward market coming in the S&P as well. But I think if this, regardless of all that, if this breaks that downtrend and it starts to yeah, reveal itself a little bit, then I'd, then I'd be looking at the Euro from the long side. But again, yeah, look at that, that BTP spread relative to buns. If that widens out substantially, I think that's going to be a big risk to any kind of people who are holding European longs so, euro long so that's something to watch out for anyway let's go to play of the day let's see what's on the mind there last week blake i looked at um uh, long china short us that trade really hasn't done a lot i think we sort of caught that one at the top it hasn't really lost any money but it's sort of sort of trading sideways i still like on pairs trade long silver short gold but i want to bring up dollar swiss today um, why? We've talked about all these different dollar pairs which are breaking out, and uh, one of the ones we really like for, for 2023 is the Swiss franc. In, in an environment of lower growth, which I think is going to be one of the core thematics of 2023, yeah, you know, the Swiss franc generally does really well. It has had. Yeah, poor episodes for this year as a safe haven because obviously bond yields have been going up. But in an environment of lower growth, you want to go into those current account surpluses. And yeah, there's nowhere, there's nowhere really in G10 that's got a bigger current account surplus than Switzerland. We like that. It's about 9% of GDP. Uh, I like this trade now. It's doing everything right to the downside. If you want to be short dollars, I think for me, being long the Swiss is, pl- is a place to go in an environment of lower growth. It's trending lower. I think I want to sell this into slight strength, as we talked about there. There could be a bit of a dollar move. If we do, we want to capture that into is obviously the flow of capital is going down so I'm looking around sort of just into the just just below 93 as as kind of the level to look to sell into uh but I really like the story for Switzerland in 2023. I love that that hedge against you know lower growth. I think that's the place to be along with the Japanese yen. Um and I think you know if we're trading trading this we've got the technicals working as well. A little bit overcooked. Just looking to sell a bit of strength into this one at the moment.
1: Ah, oh, I like it Chris. I like it if, if you're selling dollars but look my play of the day is going to be the dollar. And I'll tell you how I'm going to express this move. But before I do, I, I do want to mention Euro Mexican peso. It has been in it's been grinding higher all week this week. So it has been uh it's been it's been we got Mexican good. central so, bank
0: meeting this week, haven't we? We've have got 50 basis points yeah, expected. Yeah,
1: we yeah, we do have Banxico as well. So I mean it's a central bank bonanza once again. <laughs> um bonanza Bonanza. Uh, but the the dollar index this is this is the trick chris i am looking for a little bit more weakness i'm looking for the euro to trade up to 107.75 maybe 108 and then i'm going to express my dollar bullishness or bounce bounciness through the euro by shorting the euro up around the 108 level because the the dollar index, if you 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 don't notice here, it's a it's a 618 retrace or 161 percent extension of the September spike move higher into new highs, and then it's come down to the 161 percent golden fib level. That blue line that you see there, that's the COVID 2000 March May no March 2020 spike high. Previous highs. So we'd just be simply retesting those highs. Previous resistance, current support, playing the dollar for a bounce. That's how I'm gonna do it.
0: Like it. Like it. Well, so I'm I'm looking to sell rallies in the dollar. You're looking to buy dips in the dollar. It's an interesting conundrum. But you know what? For the viewers out there who've stuck around, thank you very much. We really appreciate you're not gonna be able to hear us until the new year, because we're gonna take an extended break. I'm going on holiday with the family back to the to the motherland in the UK. Blake, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas as well and, uh, and, and festive season. Uh, and if, if you guys are home, if you choose to celebrate the festive season, we really appreciate you guys sticking around with us all the year and making it a fabulous show, and we really hope you've enjoyed it as well. So we'll see you back more of next year uh, for more of The Trade-Off. Thank you.